We're so glad that you've tuned in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Joel Hudson. I'm the Hudson. I'm the worship pastor here at our Rolling Hills Nashville campus. We're in our series, A Beautiful Life, where we've been walking through the book of 1 John. And as we finish out the third chapter of 1 John, we'll be continuing to explore and learn about the theme of legacy and what that means for you and me. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Uh, Well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today. I'm so glad you're here, whether you're here in our Franklin campus or you're joining us online from somewhere in the city, the country, the world. I believe God brought us here together today to hear from him, to grow deeper in him, and I am so glad that you're here. And also, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series, this great series called A Beautiful Life. And that's the life that God wants all of us to live. He wants us to live a beautiful life for his name and for his glory. And I'm so grateful. So in this series, we're studying this book of the Bible called 1 John. And in 1 John, right, it was written by the Apostle John. And John, who pours his heart out, he's writing in his old age, 85, 90 years old, and he's looking back over his life. And and you think about John, who, who was with Jesus, I mean, like literally walked around with Jesus. I mean, for three years, he saw the miracles happen. He saw dead people raised to life. I mean, he saw, you know, the feeding of the 5,000. All those things we read about, John was there. I mean, he was there. He saw it. He heard Jesus teach the Sermon on the Mount and all these incredible, you know, discourses that Jesus gave. And he was right there. He was listening to everything. And then when Jesus was arrested, everybody else scattered except John. <laughs> and John was at the cross. And John watched as Jesus died for your sins, for my sins, right there on that cross. He hung on that cross. And then John was the one who ran to the empty tomb. And he looks in and the tomb is empty. And you imagine John's excitement. Can you imagine? Just like, yes, he's alive. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appears to John and all the disciples. And and imagine, I mean, John's just like, this is incredible. You truly are the son of God, the son of God. And John's there when Jesus ascends into heaven. And John's there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down in fire, tongues of fire onto John and the other disciples. And, and the church comes alive. John becomes a leader in the early church, right? He's seeing all these things happening, people coming to know Christ. He's baptizing people every week. You know, lives are being changed and transformed. And then persecution comes. And John's taken off into exile on the island of Patmos. He returns later on in his older life. And he writes back to all the churches. He goes, guys, this is the way to live the Christian life. In such wisdom and such depth to say, this is what you're called to do. This is who you're called to be in Christ. He's writing to believers, to Christ followers, saying, this is how you live this beautiful life. And I'm so thankful. In chapter one, we saw this where John says, hey, just stop sinning. You know? He's like, don't be looking more like the world than you are like Jesus. Right, stop, but if you do sin, and you will, and you'll make mistakes, you'll mess up, and I love this, he says there, hey, confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And this beautiful picture of the forgiveness and the grace of God that's ongoing for us. In chapter two, we saw he said, keep growing. Keep growing, right? Don't just stop in your spiritual walk. Don't just get stuck. Keep growing. Take a next step, you know? Grow from a spiritual child to to a spiritual young man or young woman, to a spiritual father or spiritual mother. Keep growing in your spiritual life. And then he says at the end of chapter two, be ready. Be ready. Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for his own and you be ready. I mean, if Jesus were to come back tonight, are you ready? Are you ready? 
And then last week we saw the first part of chapter three and Pastor Chase did a great job. Our family pastor was awesome. If you missed it, go back and watch or listen and just talk about who God is. And then we'll see the second part of chapter three today. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If you were to describe God with one word, what would it be? If you were to describe God with one word, what would it be? For some people, they may say distant, right? I know God's up there, but I just believe like he's distant. He's, he's out there. Some people may say, well, I, I know God's there, but I feel like he's judging. You know, I just feel like God is judgmental. Some people may say, I feel like God's condemning, right? He just condemns. But whatever you believe about God is gonna come out in your life. It's gonna be how you see yourself. It's gonna be how you interact with others. So if you believe God's distant, you're just kind of go, oh, whatever, I'll live my own life, I'll do my own thing, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't matter what the word of God says, I mean, I'm just gonna do my own deal. If you believe God is judgmental, right, you're gonna always feel judged and you're gonna turn around and judge others. If you feel God is condemning, you're gonna live with this shame for things you've done in the past, you just feel this weight on you and you will extend that to others. But what John's gonna say, what the Bible says is this, one word, God is love. God is love. And that changes everything. That changes what you know about you, that changes what you know about God, and that changes how you interact with others. And that's what we're gonna see today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter three, it's toward the back of your Bible, right? You have 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation, so all the way there toward the back. The New Testament starts off, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John wrote the Gospel of John there at the beginning. Then he writes 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. He even writes Revelation. So he writes about 20% of the New Testament was written by the Apostle John. But we're in 1st John chapter 3. If you're joining online and you got the Rolling Hills app, you can pull that up. We'll also put the scripture on the screen. So pick up here in verse 11. He says this in verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. He's like, this has been the whole deal, right? This has been the whole thing that God's been about. In fact, the Bible is the greatest love story ever told. I mean, it really is. This is the greatest love story. And when you begin to understand that, that God is love, and we should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, Cain and Abel, right? You go back to Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter one, God created, God created the whole world. Genesis chapter two, God created man. God put man in his beautiful garden. God created you. God created me for a relationship with him. So if you ever wonder why you were created, you were created for a relationship with God. That's when life makes sense. That's when you begin to grow in your life and feel fulfillment in your life. Well, God puts Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden. Things are great. They're in right relationship with God. They're in right relationship with with one another in their marriage, and then chapter three, they sin, right? They said, God, I don't wanna do it your way, and they sin, and so sin enters into the world, and things get hard and difficult and challenging, but then they have children, Genesis chapter four, and they have these two kids, right, Cain and Abel, and Cain and Abel were their brothers, and you're thinking, okay, man, they, they love each other, this is gonna be great, but what happens? What happens? Because of sin, because of sin. Cain was the one who worked the fields, and so it came time for church, came time for worship, and they're gonna go and bring a sacrifice to God, bring an offering to God, 
And Cain kind of shows up with his leftovers. <laughs> Abel, who took care of the flocks, comes with his best. And he comes before God and they bring these offerings to God and, and God rejects Cain's and he accepts Abel's. He's like, you brought your best. You didn't just bring your leftovers. You didn't just show up and go, well, whatever, God. You know, It's like, no, 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 I wanna bring my best. Well, Cain gets mad. He gets angry in Genesis chapter four and he starts to plot and this anger kind of wells up inside of him and God comes to Cain and says, hey, Cain, why are you so angry? Listen, just do what is right. You made a mistake, you know, move past it. Do what is right. And then God says this thing in Genesis chapter four. He says, sin is crouching at your door. You ever been there? Everybody, like, you know, man, there's this anger, this rage, this, it's been, you just feel it like it's sin is crouching at your door. And instead of stopping right there, Cain goes, hey, Abel, let's go out in the field. Let's check something out. And they go out there and Cain kills his own brother. Thinking, why? What in the world? Well, it says this. Why did he murder him? Right? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. He's like, at some point you gotta understand you're a Christ follower, you're gonna be different. There's gonna be people who are gonna say things about you. We feel that tension even in the world we live in today. But we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. He's like, even if people hate you, even if people say bad things about you, your response should be love. The way you interact and all of your relationships should be love. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Is there anybody you hate? Anybody who just there mentioned their name, man, just gonna get your skin to crawl, you're like, ah, that person, right? He's like, no, 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 no. If you still have hate, you still have the anger in you, you're missing it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He's like the whole reason we even know what love is is because of Jesus. Look what Jesus did, right? Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't like we were perfect. It wasn't like, hey, we got our act together. It was while we were still in rebellion against God, against the holy God, that Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's sacrificial love, right? That's the kind of love that God's calling us to. If anyone has material possessions but has no pity and sees his brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I mean, if anyone has material possessions, you just have no pity. You, you see a need, but you just like, yeah, well, whatever. That's just bad luck. Yeah, so sorry for you. But you don't do anything about it. You've missed it. And then if you underline your Bible, underline this, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. He's like, put it into practice. You say you love, you say you're a Christ follower, you put it into practice. Let it not just be words that you say, oh, I love you, man, yeah, yeah, you know. No, 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 live it out. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. I love that. We set our hearts at rest in his presence. We're not afraid of coming into the presence of God. We, we can set our hearts at rest. That God loves me. God cares about me. 
You know, my heart is restless until it rests in you. That famous quote is just like, oh, I'm in the presence of God. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. That God wants to meet our needs, that God is there for us, that God loves us. And this is his command. Here's John going, this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. You wanna know what God commands of us? To believe in his son, Jesus. All right, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then, when you are saved, you love one another. <laughs> That's the outpouring of this relationship with God. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know that God's in us because he prompts us to love, right? When we should be mad or angry or wanna get revenge or like wanna take it out on somebody, there's a spirit of God in us that goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not who you are. You are different. <laughs> you are set apart. You are unique. You are called to love. That's how you know in your life, you got this carnal man, this sinful man, but then you got the spirit of God working in you, molding you, shaping you, changing you. And that's the spirit of love that God wants to do in all of us. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some amazing things. I think this is such a powerful, powerful chapter, 1 John chapter three. And if you're writing some things down, here's some things I'd love for you to put down. If you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app, you can fill in some blanks. But look at this, look at this today. We're gonna move this right here. It's gonna happen. There it is. <laughs> Loving others. <laughs> Loving others is the evidence that we are in Christ. Loving others is the evidence that we are in Christ. Remember what he says here? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Maybe you kind of look at your life and you go, well, I don't really love that people very well. Then you kind of go, hmm, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, God's trying to tell me something. Yeah, he is, right here. We ought to have love in our lives. John uses the word love 42 times in this short letter. 42 times. It's only five chapters. I mean, that's a lot, right? You think he's trying to make a point? Remember John, if you remember anything about his life, remember he was a fisherman before Jesus called him? Remember him and his brother James, they were called sons of thunder? <laughs> I mean, these dudes were probably, I mean, like, they were men's men. They were kind of rough, tough, rugged guys. There were times that they probably dropped some bombs and they shouldn't have been, right? I mean, they were just like those kind of guys. And, and God changes him. I mean, literally transforms his life. So at the end of his life, he's going, guys, it's all about love. You know, I shouldn't have been so angry. I shouldn't have been so mad. I shouldn't have been raged all the time. I shouldn't have just wanted to beat people down. I should have been like, how do I build people up? Look what God's done in my own life 42 times. I mean, 85 or 90 years old, looking back on his life, going, guys, don't miss this. Don't miss it. Live a life of love. Stop trying to compete with everybody else. Stop trying to be better than everybody else. Love people. Love people. Love is the distinguishing mark of a Christ follower. It is. Right? If you go down to a Preds game, right? Clinton playoffs. Last night, way to go, Preds, you know. But like, you go down to Preds game, you know a Preds player because they got the jersey on, they got the skates, they got the sticks. You go, that, 
pretty distinguishing mark right there, you know, or you go to a Titans game, you give it a jersey's the helmet, the shoulder. It kind of gives them away. Hey, that's the distinguishing mark. For a Christ follower, what's the distinguishing mark? Love. That's how people know. That's how people know that you're a Christ follower. Hey, here's what John heard Jesus say. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, if you have great Bible studies, oh wait, that's important, but if you're at church, that's important. No, if you love one another. <laughs> that's a distinguishing mark. It's important to be at church. It's important to have great Bible studies. It's important to have great worship. But the distinguishing mark of a Christ follower is love. It's love. We are called to love God and to love others. When Jesus just boiled it down for us, he says, man, it all is gonna come back to this. It's all gonna come back to how you love, how you love. Are you growing in your love for God and your love for others? I think it's an important question to ask us. I think if you look back over your life, like a year ago, if you've been a Christ follower for five years or for 10 years, are you growing? Are you more loving? Are you more gracious? Are you more kind? You know, in your marriage, in your dating life, with your roommates, with the people at school, with your children, are you growing in your love? Now, this isn't something you go, well, I kind of figured that whole thing out. I got past love. You know, I got the love. I checked it off when I was 40, and now I moved on. And John's like, no, I'm 85 or 90 years old here. I'm still growing in my love. I still ought to be loving people more and being more gracious and more kind. Are you growing in your love? Hey, look at this. Jesus is the example of how we should love. Jesus is the example. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Wow, Jesus shows us how to love. You know, a lot of times today, right, people are looking for how to love, and what are they doing? They're watching reality shows, right? And bachelor, the Bachelor, like, wow, that's a good example right there. Wow, you know, it's like, no, I mean, why? That's all based on looks, it's all based on money, it's all based on what you do for me, how you make me feel, and if you respond the way I want you to, then I'll love you. Sometimes we carry that over. Right? If you do what I want you to do, then I'll love you. <laughs> Jesus shows us how to love. Jesus is like, I'm gonna love you regardless of how you respond. I'm gonna love you regardless of what you do. I'm gonna love you. That's a whole different level of love right there. Jesus came not only to die for our sins, but to show us how to live. And we talk a lot about the cross, and we should. The cross, the defining moment, right, of all history. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But Jesus also came to show us how to live. And if you are to read through the Gospels, you're to read and watch how Jesus loved. His forgiveness, his grace, his kindness. And you look at your life and you look at my life, and you're like, is that me? Is that the way I'm growing? Is that the way I'm maturing? Is that the way I interact with people? Or am I more, no, I want my way, right? I want you to do something for me. No, Jesus came not only to die for us, but to show us how to live on this earth. There are four Greek words for love, okay? So if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. You can read more from C.S. Lewis, the four loves. But you know, in English, we only have one word for love, right? And so we go, well, I love my dog and I love my wife, you know? And they're like, 
what? I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, it's like two different levels. And I love pizza, right? I just love it. It's just, like, oh, it's so great, right? I love my kids. You know, it's like, so the Greeks were smart enough to figure out, hey, there's some different levels of love here. We're gonna use some different words. And so here's these four words. First is philo, right? That's friends, you know? Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, right? So how I love my friends, I love you, man. You know, I just like, I love you. You know, it's like, that kind of friendship, that kind of friendship, Philo. Then there's storage, storage, and that's affection. This is more for your family, like it's a deeper love. Ma'am, I love for my family, I care about you, I love you, you're important, you're special to me. There's eros, right, where erotic, sexual kind of love, that's never used in the Greek New Testament, so that's not in there, uh, but Philo, storage is. But the one that's used the most is this, Agape, <laughs> and that's unconditional kind of love. That's that kind of love that Jesus loves us and what Jesus is calling us to do. This is the kind of love that, that Jesus wants us to have, unconditional, sacrificial kind of love. See, agape love. Agape is how Jesus loves and how he calls us to love. And so you just look at your life and you think about, man, am I loving people that way? Is that the way I'm responding to people? With that unconditional love? Or am I saying, hey, you gotta, you gotta please me. You gotta do what I want you to do in order for you to gain my love. You know, if you're single and you're dating, you hold out for somebody who really loves you. If you're married, love like this. This is what God calls us to. You know, Jesus said, love must be put into action, Right? Jesus goes, yeah, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But the second of the greatest commandments is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Put it into action. Live it out. Here's what John says. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not just say we're gonna love people. Let's do it. Let's live it. Love is a verb. It's not passive. It's active. How can I love you? How can I serve you? How, how can I bless you today? How can I care about you today? Love is a verb. See, it's easy to talk about love, but often hard to do. It's easy to say, yeah, I love you and I care about you, but it's often hard to do. Uh, this past week, there was a, a pretty famous couple in America that decided to call it quits in their marriage, and you know, kind of all of America's taken back and kind of heartbroken, thinking, wow, and I was reading an article about this, and they were talking about how gray divorce is happening more and more. I mean, people who've been married a long time are just at the point like, well, that's it, we're done, we're quitting. And you're just like, what is going on? And the last line of this, I mean, because this couple is mega wealthy, you know, I mean, like super wealthy. They've given a ton of money away, charitable causes. And you think from the outside, oh, they got it all together, right? You're like, well, what's, what's going on? And the last line of this article said this, money can't buy happiness. And I was thinking, yeah. You know why? Because love's a choice. Love's a choice. And we all think, well, it's gonna be more money. If I have more money, then my, my marriage will be better. If I have more money, then my kids' lives will be better. If I have more money, it's the lie that we buy into. But it's just not true, right? Because it's easy to talk about love. It's easy to think about this romanticized love. Like, I, I can go here, and I can go there, and I can do these things. But, but love takes work. <laughs> love takes effort. Love takes action. Love is a choice that you make. I am gonna love you regardless. 
Here's the thing. Love is a commitment. It's a commitment you make. This past week, uh, Lisa and I, we, we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. So we've been married 20 years. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> I feel great about that. Uh, this is what we looked like back then. I had a lot more hair uh, back then. So Lisa is still as beautiful today as she has ever been. She is just awesome, and I love her. And, and I think about that, and I think love is a commitment. It's a commitment been made. And there have been great times in our marriage. Then there's been other times it's been like, oh, wait a minute, we gotta work on this. We gotta work on this. And I remember one time in our marriage, uh, we had been really busy. You know, we get to those seasons where life is really busy and it's crazy. And so we were going and doing a lot of stuff. And, and we were going out every night, doing some things, some events, something was happening. And finally, Lisa stopped and she goes, hey, listen, we need some time together. And I'm like, time together, right? I mean, like, we're out every night. We're doing stuff all the time. I'm the extrovert. She's the introvert, by the way, if you haven't figured that out. So, so I'm like, what do you mean? You know, we're at all these people. We're going and doing all these things. And she's like, no, 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 uh, time out. Me and you. I-, I want time with you. And I'm like, oh, just me and you? Like, this is two of like, you know, is that what you're talking about? It's like, yeah, yeah, just us. I'm like, oh, oh okay. You know, I'm a little slow, a little dense. I, but what's amazing, we read this book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And if you haven't read it, go read it, okay? I mean, it's awesome. But it talks about how we give and receive love. And so what I figured is, like, I need to start studying my wife. I need to, like, learn her more. I need to, like, learn how to love her more. And I realized that her love language is quality time. No doubt about it. Quality time. And so we just said at that point, we got to set aside some date nights when it's just us. It's nobody else. And we got to reserve that time. We got to schedule it. Like Lee literally get our calendars out and we go, okay, when are we going to have a date night this month, right? Because life gets crazy, especially when you have kids and everything's going nuts. But I know I've got to have time with her. If I'm going to grow in my love for her and she's going to grow in her love for me, we've got to figure that out. You know, the other, the other love languages, physical touch is one of those. I'm a guy, that's a big one. Physical touch, I'm like, okay, you know, we, we've got to have time, right? I mean, you know, there's words of affirmation. There's acts of service. There's gifts. And what's been amazing is now that we have, you know, kids and they're running around, we, we're looking at them and we're going, I've got to continue to figure out how to love them in a way that they receive it. Because sometimes I'll, I'll give my kids like things and they'll be like, okay, whatever, dad, you know. But, but then you do something nice for one of them. One of them is acts of service. And you do something nice, you got, and they're like, oh, that was awesome. And you're like, okay, I'm learning, I'm growing. I, I, I want you to understand that I do love you. And, and sometimes we can go, well, I said I love you, but then we can act differently. But not only do we have to say it, we have to live it. And we become a student, Right? of the relationships that we're in. And then we start to look around in our neighborhood and we look at the workplace and we're like, how can I show them love in a way that they'll receive it? How can I look and go, hey, wait a minute, I can love them in a way that they're gonna understand that. That's how you continue to grow in your love because you realize love is a commitment. I made a commitment 20 years ago. I'm gonna hold on to that. And I pray we have another 20. I pray we have another 40, right? Who knows? But I wanna love my wife well, I do, I mean, at the end of my days, right? Because what can happen so many times, and what I think you see in a lot of couples even today, is this, is that they build their whole life around their kids. And then the kids graduate. It's crazy, but it does happen. And I wanna just tell you, as a dad, it goes like that. I mean, like, it just flies by. And then there's a graduation, and after the kids graduate, it kinda happens like this famous couple did, and they look at each other, and they go, 
well, I don't really like you that much because we didn't spend any time together. We were all about the kids and we missed out on this whole deal. And so, you know what? Let's just blow it off and call it quits and move on because our life was really not about each other. It was about something totally different and that wholly different is gone now. And we still got 40 years to go maybe in our lives and we're looking at each other like, I don't know if I wanna spend those 40 years with it because I haven't put the work in now to really develop the relationship. And I wanna tell you right now, put the work in. It's worth it. It lasts. Love the people around you and love them well and make sure they know it. Make sure they know it. Make sure they know it. Oh, it's a commitment you make. Hey, can the people around you see you love God and them by your actions? Can they see it? Not just they talk about, oh yeah, he's a Christian. Oh yeah, they do this. Yeah, they go to church every now and then. No, no, no. Can they see it? Can they see it in your life? Hey, a beautiful life is about love. A beautiful life, guys, what John's gonna come back to, what the gospel comes back to, it's all about love. It's all about love. You know, one of the most beautiful chapters in all the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13. You've probably heard it at weddings, right? <laughs> Different times. But 1 Corinthians 13, if you recognize that it comes right after 1 Corinthians 12. You don't have to write that down, but you know, that's important. But, but, but it really does. And the reason it comes after 1 Corinthians 12 is because there was a lot of division in the church. 1 Corinthians 12 is about spiritual gifts. And there were people in the church going, well, I got the gift of healing. And I got the gift of teaching. And I got the gift of tongues. And I've got the gift of service. And they were elevating these gifts over everybody else and thinking, well, look at me. <laughs> and so Paul goes, well, listen. He ends chapter 12 with now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Here's the greater gifts. And I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, all knowledge. You know, sometimes we think that spiritual depth is measured simply in knowledge. Like I gotta learn more, I can you know, win a Bible trivia or something like that. And it's important to know, man, it's important to be in every Bible study you can and learn, but, but it's not about knowledge, it's about love. Spiritual depth is really about love. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. <laughs> if I give all I possess to the poor, do a lot for charity, right? Give a lot of money away. And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And then listen to this and think about you. Love is patient. Are you? Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. Are you always trying to one-up people? Are you always trying to get ahead? It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. You ever been self-seeking? It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you have a record of wrongs? Do you have a record inside that you're just waiting for somebody to mess up and you're like, oh, I'm gonna tell you, I've got this whole record right here. I'm just gonna read it out. Mm -mm. Stop. Sin is crouching at your door, man. Just turn it over to the Lord. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and I love that verse eight. Love never fails. 
Guys, if you're gonna invest your life in something, invest your life in Christ and invest your life in love. Grow in your love and grow in your love for others. Just figure out how I can love the people around me really well with everything I have in me. Let me love, let me love. You know, today is Mother's Day and it's such a special day because we're so thankful for all moms. You moms are amazing, you really are. And you know what, John, John stood there at the, at the cross, and when Jesus was on the cross, you know, he had seven words, seven phrases, right? And it just really demonstrated his love. The first one was, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. I mean, people who nailed him to the cross, you talk about love your enemies, I mean, that's what he did. His second phrase was, there was a thief on the cross who said, hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I recognize you're the son of God. And Jesus goes, today you'll be with me in paradise. Hey, that thief couldn't earn it. He couldn't do enough good works. No, no, he believed. It's by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. But you know, the third saying was this. <laughs> he looked down at John, and John's standing next to Mary, Jesus' earthly mom. And he says, Mary, behold your son. John, take care of her. And it says in the Gospel of John that after Jesus ascends into heaven, John took care of Mary. Jesus honored his mom. And moms, we just wanna honor you. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for my mom. <laughs> she's 90 years old, she's amazing, she loves Jesus, she's walked with the Lord and so faithful to the Lord. I'm thankful for my wife, who's an amazing mom. I'm thankful for all the <laughs> Second moms that have stepped into my life and into my kids' lives, it made a difference. And moms, it's been a tough 13 months. I mean, let's be honest. And all of a sudden, you've been mom and you've been teacher, <laughs> you've been counselor, you've been nurse. I mean, every one of you has taken on all these roles and we just wanna say thank you. We just want you to know how grateful we are for all of you today. And many of you, you're mama bears, right? Because you love your kids so much, you protect them, right? But sometimes you, you have this mom guilt because you just can't get everything done, and you, but, but you want to. But I want you to know this, that you are valued, that you are loved, that you are cherished, that you're cared for. And I think it's incredible when God starts talking about this human love, he uses this analogy of a mom. You know, in Isaiah 49, in Isaiah 49, God says this. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Every mom here knows there's no possible way. That most intimate moment you're holding your child, so precious. And God says, well, though she may forget, I will not forget you. I'll not forget you. You think about that kind of love. And God's going, you know what? There may be a time when you're, you don't have a great mom. Or there may be a time when your mom, you know, is older, has dementia, and you, she may forget. But God's like, I'll never forget you. And you're going, well, that's just words. You're just saying that. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'll put it into action. See? I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Have you ever thought about that? You're engraved on the palms of his hands. 
That word engraved in the Hebrew, it literally means to chisel. Your name, your name, your name, your name is on the palm of the hands of God. He loves you that much. And if you know God as love, and you know God cares about you that much, as much as a mom cares for a nursing child, then you understand that there's nothing that God won't do for you. That God will provide, that God will protect, that God will take care of you, that God loves you. And when you understand that you are that loved, you can then love. You don't have to worry about being right or being seen or being noticed or how people are gonna respond. You can just love because you're loved. You're loved. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Do you know that you're that loved today? Maybe today is the day of salvation. You just go, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. Wherever you are today, you just pray, God, I need you. Maybe it's raising a hand in the chat room or say it a prayer right here, but salvation will come. Maybe today you go, you know what, God, I've always thought you were mad at me, <laughs> angry at me, you're distant, but you're not. You're right here with me. God, let me know I'm loved. <laughs> I'm valued. Maybe today you realize love's a commitment. Maybe there's something in your marriage you just go, you know what, I gotta work on this. I gotta stop blaming <laughs> my spouse. Uh, God, start with me. Let me love well my spouse, my kids, my family. Maybe a day you just realize, man, I gotta, I gotta love my roommates, my classmates. I've, I've made life all about me. But it's really all about Jesus. It's about others. So Father, today, search our hearts. Search our lives. God, let us grow in love, our love for you, our love for one another. Let us be like John, we get to the end of our life, we look back and go, you know what? I haven't been perfect, but man, I loved. <laughs> I didn't hold grudges, I just loved. So Father, here we are, your disciples. <laughs> and I pray that the distinguishing mark of our life would be love. That's what people would see in us. Just because, <laughs> Jesus, you loved us. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways that you can connect. We're thankful for you.